Welcome to Things I Preach to Myself About Podcast. I am your host, Rich Vangen, and today's episode, Confessions. There's a formula that many people like to use when they're conducting themselves in prayer to the God of the universe to kind of help stay mindful of the important things to include. The method is by using the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, and that stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Quite honestly, it really does help. Now, beginning with adoration, we're reminded to worship, bless, acknowledge, and praise Yahweh God as the creator of all things, the one who holds the universe together, and for his immeasurable love that he has for his creation. Next, we confess our shortcomings and violations of his decree by acknowledging them in repentance and asking for his forgiveness. We then give him thanksgiving for the wonderful blessings and mercies and gifts that he bestows on us each and every day, recognizing where our sustenance is from. And afterward, we add in important requests and items of concern before his throne of grace, asking for his intervention to affect our lives and to those around us. Many who call themselves Christians have no problems with praising God for his blessings, thanking him for the things we receive, and in giving him a spiritual high-five acknowledgement for providing an answer to prayer. Essentially, the thanksgiving and supplication portions of the acronym flow nice and easy for most people who claim belief in God. But where we tend to be a bit short-sighted is in our adoration and confession. Adoration is something I've spoken about many times before, how so many are somewhat shallow with holding a deep and reverential awe to the one who breathes everything into existence and sustains all things by his hand. We're also quite lax in our submission to God's laws in the manner what he calls for within the scriptures. The Bible asks, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice written in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we also know that to God, sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required, Psalm 40. Essentially saying that what God is looking to receive from us above and beyond the sacrifices and offerings is our love, devotion, trust, commitment, and submission to himself in all things, like the birds of the air and the lilies in the field in Matthew 6, that trust God for all things, so too he'll be for us a father who provides all that we need in our complete faith and devotion to him. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, folks, I need prayer, because my confession to you is my lack of study of the Word of God, the Holy Bible. Now, before I go on, I can say with complete confidence that I have countless excuses as to why I lack daily Bible reading and study. And many of them, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, are very valid and true. And while there's no set schedule written in the Word of God that we're commanded to customarily commit to the study of the Bible daily, there are numerous verses that declare the importance of our duties to study God's very words. Ezra, as an example, 
had to set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel, as written in Ezra chapter 7. Yes, we should want to study the scriptures, and not because of commands, but because of an inward desire to know the author and perfecter of our faith. And yet, many of us fall short of that very desire. I've also discovered that reading memes or social media posts with scripture verses in them does not constitute a Bible study, contrary to popular belief. Snippets of scriptures are just that, small pieces of the very Word of God. I mean, you wouldn't want to take a couple of pieces out of a jigsaw puzzle box and then feel satisfied that you have the whole picture, would you? Or you can't pick up a handful of sand and truly feel that you've experienced what it's like to be at a beach. And so it is with reading the occasional verse or two out of the Bible. That method does not give you complete understanding of God and his amazing loves and gifts and grace as well. The reason that so many people wander life thinking that they know Yahweh God is that they've entrusted their religion to a handful of verses and experiences, and then they fill in the many blanks with their own perceptions and ideologies as to what they think the God of the Bible is really like. Essentially, the majority of people have a very small percentage of biblical knowledge and a large percentage of their own added humanistic conception. This is not only heretical, but dangerous to the soul. Making up what we think God should be like is, in essence, creating your own spiritual religion based on some core gleanings from what little you may truly know about the Bible's content or even what little you may have heard from some church attendants or what others have shared with you before. This is the very reason so many churches have careened off the Bible highway and crashed, because they decided to run with their own understandings and not with the Bible's actual written truths. Proverbs warns of this dangerous practice when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And yet, as I've mentioned before, there are excuses and reasons that cause me to stand before you and confess my sins. First and foremost has always been my time availability. I am so good with mismanaging time, I can get up early and quite easily get distracted away from Bible reading and devotions with just the glance of my phone or tablet. News, weather, social media, texts, and emails quietly draw my mind away from matters of the Spirit. During the all-important coffee time, my brain runs through the daily to-do list, and before I know it, it's time to hit the shower, dress, gather my lunch, race out the door for work. Of course, there's the drive time. I got a fairly long commute, and I could spend that time with God, but of course, as soon as I try to mumble a prayer or listen to some scriptures or preach in via radio, I'm distracted by the nuances of traffic and of the many sketchy drivers around me. And then I arrive at work. Again, too many distractions to commit time and thought. Now after work, the drive home, well, that's my time to wind down and compose myself, all the while dodging the inconsiderate drivers who are also on their quest home. Now once home, more distractions, domestic duties, dinner, cleaning, and before you know it, it's time for bed. See? Many excuses, 
many reasons. In essence, it is quite easy to substitute our time with God and His Word and replace it with time with the world. And then we wonder why our spiritual walk is struggling and lacking. We wonder, where is God in our daily battles? We find ourselves wondering, why are we so unsure of our footing in this pilgrimage we're supposed to be on? We wonder how the enemy is able to weaken us so much daily. Now, the answer might be obvious, but obvious doesn't solve the problem. There are so many people that I see nowadays who like to display their Bibles with full-blown color-coded, every verse lined and marked, as well as notes and references on every page. And what shames me more is that for many, these might be their second, third, or even more copy of the scriptures that they've studied so diligently that they've ended up wearing out the pages and the ink. Now, all praise to God for their amazing and inspirational devotion to the study of Scripture. More confession. None of my several Bibles that I own have anything near that wear and tear within the covers. In fact, many have multiple pages that have never seen the light of day or have had my hand upon them to read. This is a testimony to something is wrong with this picture. Now, we know from Scriptures that the God of this world is the devil, and that he and his minions will do everything in their power to snatch people from God. Even if the person is a saved Christian, the enemies of God will try to destroy their peace and joy and damage their relationship with Christ. This place is not our eternal home. Jesus said that if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. John chapter 15. Look, folks, we're not going to have an easy path in this journey through here because we are not only being attacked internally by our own nature, but because we're also under siege by the external powers of darkness as well. There's a war going on around us, and we're involved whether we like it or not. And subsequently, this war is working to keep us from God and his word. So I mentioned that the answer to this dilemma is obvious, but recognizing the problem doesn't solve the problem. The obvious answer is simply dedicating more time to the word of God and to prayer, but not so fast. As I've also mentioned, there is this war of time that we're being pulled into daily. From the moment we wake up to the end of the day when we lay down, we're bombarded by attention grabbers. And whether the demand is from work, kids, appointments, family, friends, and other obligations, we are being tempted away from our personal time with God. But despite what we may think, we really do have personal time available no matter what our circumstances, and that we can devote time to God and His Word. The distractions mentioned above can and should be simple enough to avoid as an excuse. This is where spiritual discipline comes into play. When we look at our Savior Jesus, he gives us examples of disciplines that show how we are to grow and become strong in faith. Foremost is that the study, memorization, and meditation of the scriptures is paramount to growth and walk every day. Without the word of God in our hearts and our minds, we can easily succumb to the demonic influences that are all around us. Jesus used the scriptures to turn away the temptations of Satan 
even when he was at his weakest physically. And Paul reminds us that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You see, the Bible is our sword of the Spirit and our only offensive weapon against the fallen evil that we come up against. Another key part that Jesus shows us is the power of prayer. Jesus took time away from his ministry regularly and purposefully to recharge and focus personally on the one who he is glorifying. He would break away from the crowds and even his disciples just to spend important time with his Father in heaven. All this was recorded for us to see that no matter what life is throwing at us, we also need intimate time with God. We pray to communicate with God through Jesus, who is our mediator with the Father, and to cast all our worries and anxieties on him as we listen to him and commit our ways to him in everything we do. Christ instructs us to watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is not just some suggestions, but a command because of our weak nature. How much does this lack of prayer and study affect me? Quite honestly, a lot. The devil has a purpose to draw us away from God, to strip us of the power of his word, and to disrupt our intimate communications with Yahweh God. We cannot survive any battles in life if we do not have proper protections, proper weapons, and proper knowledge. To survive the onslaught of the enemy, we must maintain our battle gear, stay in communications with our leader, and know the tactics of the enemy. Essentially, we read and study the Bible to understand who we are, what God requires of us, how God saved us through Christ Jesus, and how to stay connected to God through prayer and the study of his word. All of this by the power of the Holy Spirit to help and guide us through this. We learn to recognize the enemy's tactics and stay equipped with the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Holy Bible, so as to withstand these attacks. Diverting any attention and focus away from our Savior simply means that our focus is on other things, such as self in the world. It's then that sin can so easily creep in and weaken us. Being distracted is like letting your guard down, and the moment we do it, that's when the devil pounces. So these excuses that we use to skip time with God through his word really are tactics of the enemy to break down our defenses and cause us to forget our time with God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, we're instructed to give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. In order to stand firm on the truth every day, we have to purposefully task ourselves to prayer and reading, to commit our ways to the Lord before we pick up a phone or log into the computer or read a paper or watch the news and weather or even enjoy that first cup of coffee. It's when we put God first. Then we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? It is when we acknowledge that our life is under him, through him, and for him, that we now have set our priorities right 
and are properly equipped to face the challenges of the day. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and I pray the Lord that you continue to stand strong and firm on the truth of the Word of God and devote your time and daily search the Scriptures for edification and growth. Amen.